Hey, Lead the Gen fam. Welcome to season two of the Student Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. We believe that Gen Z students can be incredible leaders in their homes, schools, and churches. And this podcast is all about helping you grow as a leader. Great student leadership is a result of having a great relationship with Jesus. So we also want to help you deepen your faith and understanding of God. If you love this podcast, please do us a favor and write a review and rate it on whatever platform you're listening from. And don't forget to hit subscribe. We'll be dropping new episodes several times a week throughout the school year. And be sure to share it with other amazing student leaders like yourself. This podcast is sponsored by our partner, WorldServe International. WorldServe is addressing the water crisis in Africa, where over 790 million people do not have access to clean drinking water. You and I can be part of solving this crisis. Go to WorldServeintl.org to get started. So get ready. The Student Leadership Podcast starts right now. Hey, students, welcome to another episode of the Student Leader Podcast by Lead the Generation. I'm here with Gil. Gil, how you doing today? I'm doing dandy. You're doing dandy? Yeah. Is that a new word? It's my word of the day. It's your word of the day. All right, we'll, we'll try to use it again. We have a great guest today, Micah Steger, who is the director of Youth for the Nations out of Christ for the Nations in Dallas, Texas. Micah, welcome. We're glad you're here. Listen, it is good to be here. I'm, I'm so hyped. Micah, this is driving me crazy, and I know the viewers can't see you. Maybe this happened another time recently, but man, you look like a famous celebrity, and I can't quite put my finger on it. I, it's going to bother uh, me. I'll tell you who. Oh, who is it? Captain America. Oh. A little bit, yeah. I see that. You know what? There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get that a lot? I do, yes. Do, do you get that it's because of compliment. your face or because of your biceps? I like to think it's both. <laughs> mostly, probably just my face. Um, uh, no, we were going down the toy aisle one time with my son, and he looked over and he was like, Dad, Dad. I'm like, yeah. He's like, no, Dad, it's you. And it was a little Captain America oh, figurine. Oh, that is, so, that is a, a high I would ride for like a year. That is a great moment. my son thinks I look like oh, Captain America. That's amazing. You better believe I bought that for him on the Yeah, spot. you did. <laughs> I would, you need to write that down in like a journal somewhere, like the day my son thought I was Captain America. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. good. All right, Micah, so we want to help our audience get to know you a little bit here. So we're going to dive into your mind here a little bit. I want you to think back to your childhood here, okay? So what year were you born, just so we know? 92. 92, okay. I want you to think back to your childhood. Looking back now as an adult, is there any TV show or movie, form of entertainment, anything like that, that you're looking back now and say, man, that was really overhyped. I don't know why I thought that was so good then, but it is absolutely trash. Maybe not trash. Maybe just like a little bit looked down on. Like, yeah, it wasn't that good. It's just okay. Um, I can tell you. What I mine would say is. America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, I remember that. Well, that's being a good choice. Way funnier. And I tried to introduce it to my kids recently, and I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, I just wasted your time. It really wasn't <laughs> that good. Um, I remember like the host. I don't remember his name. The the second white guy, not the first one. Oh, <laughs> uh, was it the guy the guy from Full House do that at some point? Oh, he was yeah. the original. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so the second one, I just remember it like I thought it was really good, and I mean I went back. And I was like, duh. Mm. Yeah, I, I went I went what back and watched. Uh, I went back and uh, watched Karate Kid recently. It's just okay. Uh, wasn't trash. Just okay. It was mm. just okay. I was like, oh. This wasn't as like epic. It felt like on par to me as like Rocky as a kid. I was like, this is so good. And I was like, eh. <laughs> I'm going to so date myself here. It was Dukes of Hazard for me. 
That's oh, I just way. I don't man. think I've ever watched that show. That's, <laughs> See, that's yeah, why that's I really dated myself. Of you guys are like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. So, <laughs> all right, Micah, glad again that you've joined us. Uh, let's talk leadership. You do a ton with uh, leadership development for youth pastors, for young adults who are students there at Christ for the Nations, as well as uh, an entire internship program that you have there. That's a part of Youth for the Nations. So, uh, leadership is kind of a big piece of your world right now. Has been for years. Um, we got. An audience here that's a lot of student leaders in high school, junior high, uh, some college age students, and uh, we brought you on today just to talk leadership to us. So, give us a leadership principle that you've been thinking about, something you've been wrestling with or applying in your life or the life of those that you lead. Yeah. So, uh, as I was preparing for this, one of the things that God highlighted to me from when I was a young leader was this idea and this principle that commitments are born out of conviction, not convenience. And so, yeah, and that statement alone is like just being able to settle it is that when I make when I make a, a, a commitment to something, whether it's self-discipline, whether it's choosing to read my Bible daily, whether it's choosing to have a certain uh, set of beliefs that is born out of a conviction and convictions don't change. It's the conviction of me believing that the, the Bible that we have is true and the standards that Jesus has put in place for us are valid. And if we wait until it's convenient to make a decision or wait until we're in the situation to make a decision on where we stand with something, um, will always be up for sale to whatever's most convenient. And so I think that it's being able to predetermine our commitments based on our conviction and not wait till we're, okay, let me see when I'm at that house party, whether or not I'm going to drink or whether or not if I'm in that conversation choosing, will I, will I not gossip about that person? And so it's just choosing, you know, predetermining what my commitments are based on my convictions and not waiting till it's convenient to make the decision on that. Yeah. Who, who was it that said that to you growing up? Was it a youth pastor or pastor or something like that? Like a, who taught that to me? I mean, yeah, I, you said when you were younger, you were like, when you're growing up, someone said that to you. No. So, I mean, that statement alone is something that like I've developed, but looking uh, back, okay. yeah, looking back, I can see just because this was something that I, you know, it was formidable in my life. I look at, you know, peers where they're at today um, versus where I'm at. And it's, you know, two very different narratives, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a, it, it reminds me actually a lot of a, I think you see a lot of students who are in like high school start to go this, this route a little bit when they get older. I know you mentioned like going to parties and decide whether or not you're going to drink, but I see a lot of athletes do this when they're really involved. They start to like, you know, skip out on youth group or church more because they're traveling and they're doing a lot of stuff. And you can tell it's like their, their conviction is just that the best thing for me is to be all in with my sports team and really develop myself here. The conviction isn't church is a priority. Now I'm not saying that you can't be an athlete and be involved in those things and miss church sometimes. That's fine. That's not the issue. But like, I think you even see it in an example there, but Micah, tell me, is there like a Bible verse or story that highlights this principle? Yeah, I think it's clearly seen in Daniel chapter one and chapter three with specifically Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Um, you know, we read this and we start the story with the end in mind. It's like, okay, yeah, auto automatically you're like, all right, yeah, they were thrown in the fire yet they were not burned. Um, but when they were at the King's table in chapter one, all three of them, plus Daniel decided that they were not going to defile themselves with the King's meat. And it wasn't just like, you know, I'm not going to eat your food, King Nebuchadnezzar. But what they knew that many of us don't is that 
any food that was presented before the king was sacrificed to the king's idols beforehand. And so that scripture in the New Testament where Paul instructs us, whatever you do, whether you eat, drink, do it all to the glory of God, is that was like speaking to people because the most of the food that they ate at that time had been sacrificed to other gods. And so this eating would have been an act of worship. And so they knew that this meat had been sacrificed from an animal prior to them getting served this food. And so this was them saying, you know, this food has been sacrificed. It was from an animal that was sacrificed to one of their gods. And so for us to eat this, we would defile ourselves. They didn't know a fire was coming. So they weren't trying to condition themselves to prepare for the fire. Like many of us were like, okay, I know that I'm going to have to do this prayer meeting in a few weeks. Our student leaders are like, I'm going to be doing transitioning. So I can't watch porn this week. And we'll try and build standards based on what we know is coming instead of just living with this conviction that our God is worth it. And so they didn't know a fire was coming, but I believe that by them maintaining their conviction, by not bowing down at the king's table, not just to the idol of King Nebuchadnezzar that was built in chapter three, um, that's what prepared them to withstand the fire in uh, chapter three. You bring up a really um, like interesting piece of biblical context there that I, that I love is because because you, you mentioned how they understood that any meat that the king was serving would have been meat that it would would have been served or or offered as a form of worship to the king's false gods, and so for them to partake in that would have been an act of worship, or or theologically speaking, would have been an act of of, of idolatry, right? And it would it would have. Yeah, we didn't compromise. And, you know, so I think that's that's a really that's a really interesting way for us as leaders and for student leaders to to view like their convictions and their commitments. Right. To view them as an act of worship. Right. The way that I am choosing my my standards in life, the decisions that I'm making uh, about the big little and everything in between. Right. As far as like the everyday part of life, this is a, a form of worship for me. This is an act of worship for me. Um, so when you, when you think about that, um, like that, from that lens that you're giving us, that lens of like your commitments and your convictions, this is a form of worship for you. How does a student, uh, apply that to their life? You know, what are, what are, what are some ways that a student can use those kinds of commitments to, to lead others, to lead their generation, right? That's kind of like, you know, like how we, we view ministry for this generation It's like, you got to lead, you know, in your generation. So what, what's a principle that a student can use or, or extract from what we're talking about here to help them? I think one of the best ways to put it, and if you follow me, behind every no is a yes, and behind every yes is a no. And so, for example, when uh, King Nebuchadnezzar put out the decree that he's going to play the music, everyone has to bow down to the image that he made in himself, 90 feet tall. If you don't, you're thrown into the fire. That decision they made, it wasn't just a no to like not bow down. So behind that no was a greater yes to God. I think that's where we that's that's where we develop religion from, right? It's like we develop a lot of no's without a lot of yeses behind the no's. And so it's like instead of just saying, no, I'm not going to watch this music. No, I'm not going to watch these movies or listen to this music, watch these movies. No, I'm not going to say these words. I'm not going to cuss. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to have premarital sex. It's like what's behind that no? Is hell, and so it's developing as a young person, as a young leader. I don't just want to be a f- person filled with a nose. It's like I didn't really step into freedom from pornography when I was saying, don't look at it, don't look at it, don't look at it, don't look at it. I feel like I experienced freedom when I was so consumed with a greater love for Jesus that I was more concerned about seeing him than like not looking at the things of this world or like entertaining the desires of my flesh. And so that's one of the biggest things is understanding like, 
this generation, if you're a young leader and you're hearing this, this generation needs your purity. They need you to be set apart, which doesn't just happen every time there's a fire and there's persecution. It happens when there's a table and it's convenient. It's like being able to stand firm and maintain those convictions, even when like the Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego and Daniel weren't the only ones that were taken from their land. They were sitting at a table with a bunch of their peers who they knew who were all Jewish. They were just the four that decided not to eat the king's meat and not compromise. And they're the ones that were considered 10 times wiser than anybody else. Hmm. Yeah. Now there's the, the, it kind of like ties into this, this idea that I have going in my head. So roll with me here as I try to spit out the words for it. But like, it feels a lot like to me that currently culturally, like with our, with our students, we're at a point where like a lot of them see like what is been historically or traditionally said in Christianity, here's what you need to do, right? So like, you need to not look at pornography, you need to not swear, you need to go right. to church every weekend. There's these like, it feels almost like an arbitrary list or like a, if you want to be part of the club, do these specific things. I think sometimes students step back and look at it and just go like, yeah, well, I mean, technically I can swear and I'm not going to lose my salvation, right? Like you could say a swear word and God will forgive you. So like, it's okay for me to do this. It's not that big of a deal. And, but the conversation shifts when you put like leadership into it and not just leading other people's, but just even le- leading your own life, I think as a student, it forces you to view the gray zone of life. We're like, yeah, technically you can do that and it's okay, but I choose not to because I want to be pure because I want to honor God. Like, do I think Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego would have like been struck down by God because of eating the meat. No, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, I guess maybe I'm not God. I can't really speak for that, but I would think, no, it it probably wouldn't, but like God was able to do something significant in them because they were willing to keep themselves pure. So circling back around to like a little bit of a bigger picture question here, then like we're talking about cultural, cultural issues with Gen Z, social issues with Gen Z. Are there any other things that you see about like how this leadership principle applies to them, right? So we talked about like sports a little bit, like, okay, some students are really committing to sports as opposed to God. Are there any other ways that you see this applying? Ultimately, I think it's, I, I think what people are looking for who are in the world and they're looking at not just Christians, but Christian leaders is they're, they're not necessarily looking for them to be convinced, like, you know, convince me that Christianity is real. If you're lost and you're having this conversation with an atheist or someone who's living in sexual perversion or whatever, they're not looking to see if you can win an argument. They're looking to see if you can be consistent. And I think that's something that having convictions, having commitments that are, that are long lasting. And again, not built in convenience. That's one of the biggest things is, and you don't need to prove someone wrong in an argument on Instagram, in the chat, it's like they, you, they just need to be able to see that your life is a life of consistency. And again, that's something that we see that was active in, in the scripture that we just shared, like Daniel, all the way to the point where prayer was outlawed and he was thrown in the lion's den. Like there was just a level of consistency that dated all the way back to the table. And so if you're wondering what is it going to take to live and leave a legacy, it's as simple as consistency, in my opinion. It's like, can you just be someone who's consistent? Like, is there continuity to what you profess and how you behave? I love it. How you live your life. Uh, Mikey, you said something uh, just a, a minute ago when you were talking about, you know, behind every no is a yes and behind every yes is a no. And you use the phrase, um, and, and I think this is the phrase you use, or I might be putting words in your mouth, but it was something to the effect of like, there needs to be a greater yes to my no. Right. And, and so kind of this, this, um, 
this really valuable, almost like filter for how uh, a young person or any person for that matter, how, how a leader can, um, can view their decisions and the importance and the weight of their choices, right? One of the things that um, we're really passionate about at Elite's Generation and something that I'm personally really uh, passionate about is helping students develop a Christian worldview where they're thinking like a Christian and where they are looking at the world through the lens of or the filter of being a Christian, right? I think this is kind of ultimately what Paul's talking about in Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, especially verse 2, where he says that we're, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, right? And so it's 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 a it's a changing of the way that we think. So I, f- I feel like you you gave um, our audience today kind of like, hey, here's a piece of the filter or the lens when you make decisions, right? There's a, there should be a greater yes behind the nose, right? So can, can you unpack that a little bit, like kind of through the lens or the idea of a Christian worldview? You work with a lot of young adults. Um, they're, they're forming worldview or, or they're running into parts of, of their thought process that are not necessarily in alignment with the way that God's word talks, right? Um, I think that could be really helpful for our audience for you to just kind of unpack that a little bit and help them because we want to help students develop that, you know, develop that Christian worldview. I, and I think that the people who will struggle with this probably the most are the ones that have grown up in church or grown up around religion is because we are given a bunch of do's and don'ts as, as, as Gil was mentioning. And I think that it's being able to understand like the, what I work with the most, as far as working with a lot of um, young adults, 18, 19 year olds, fresh out of high school is they were really instructed on how to behave or how to live, but they did not know scripture. They didn't know what the, the, the standards were determined or given to them um, straight from Scripture. And I think that that's where you see a lot of the, the, the issues where you have a lot of Christians, uh, even Christian leaders, pastors who throw around the statement, well, that's just not my conviction. And, you know, when it contradicts Scripture, <laughs> right? it's like it's yeah. just like it's hard to argue, you know, when you're developing that Christian worldview, like, why do I say yes to this and no to this? And it's like, OK, let's cussing, for example. OK, yes, cussing. It's never a moment where Paul or Jesus is like, don't say the F word. Don't say the S word. Don't say the B word. Don't you know, like you just go through it. Hopefully I can say that on the podcast. But he does say like, you know, he's, he talks about, um, I'm sorry, I don't have the exact chapter and verse, but not letting anything corrupt come out of your mouth or anything that would be crude. And then in Matthew 12, 36, you will, Jesus says that you will be, you have to give an account for every careless word you let come from your well, that, mouth. And that's and so, scary right there. Like if you, right. like as we interpret that literally like, oh man, oh, okay. Yeah. And so that's like, even though Paul didn't say, don't use this word, he did give us a category called crude. And so anything that would be culturally unacceptable or that would taint your influence, um, stay away from those things. And so I think it's just being able to you be biblically literate, understand what does God instruct us and not taking our cues from culture based on what we build convictions, but from scripture. And what you're really talking about is like when when we use the phrase as Christians, well, that's really not my conviction. That that's like the Christian version of us saying, um, that's not my truth. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's yeah. all that is. You know, we just we just have kind of like slapped a little bit of like you know Christianity onto it to make it a little bit more palatable. But culturally speaking, we would react to someone saying that's not my truth, um, or not culturally, biblically, we would react and say, well, yeah, there's really no such thing as my truth. There's the truth. That's um, so true. Right? Not my truth. Um, but yeah, we've 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 kind of we've allowed kind of some of that verbiage or that phraseology to come into. Um, the way we think about things, but, but it's much deeper than just on the surface level. It's a worldview. It's a way that we think, yeah. right? And that, and that's also what yeah. the word of God says too. It, sa- it says that as a man speaks, so his heart is, right? Yeah. So those words aren't coming out. Uh, justification isn't coming out for the way I want to live my life because it's just random. It's it, this is a this is a heart posture. This is a way in which I think, right? Gil, what what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I. I think I think it's an, we're at kind of an interesting spot here because like I I feel like culturally today I said this before we live in such a moral gray zone as a society with teenagers specifically like the whole idea like you said my truth my conviction all of that is just like oh yeah well, it's just my thing it's just my reality is probably the next word that we're expecting like oh yeah like there's people who pretend who really are just convinced like I am this animal trapped in a human body and that is my reality that is my truth and it's like it ends up kind of being a slippery slope but let me let me not run away with this Mike I have a, uh, a one last question for you here today there's probably a lot of students who are learning to develop this filter that we're talking about today and they're not exactly sure where to start. So what is the best way to start developing this mindset and kind of catching yourself in the moments where you're letting your like maybe emotions lead you instead of your convictions? It may be a deep question, but I think we have to ask ourselves, who do I want to be known as? Period. Like, how do I want, when people think of me, what do they want to think about? What do I want them to remember? Um, That's a great starting point is asking yourself that question. Um, The second, I mean, when I look back on my life, there was a specific moment. I remember I got saved in 2007. I was um, 15 going into my um, fresh freshman year. Um, I got held back a year. So what's up? Um, And so I I just remember there was a like secular music, specifically hip hop, old school gangster rap, Little John, the East Side Boys, T.I., Ludacris, like heavily influenced by this culture and genre uh, of music where it defined the way that I looked at myself, looked at women, looked at authority, and it heavily influenced everything about how I formed my worldview. Um, And so I remember there was a there was like a I was Southern Baptist and we called it D now weekend. But there was a moment that there was that there was an altar call, not for anything specific that I can remember, but I know I was at the altar and it was the first time I felt like I heard Holy Spirit speak to me. And I felt like he just put his finger on music and he said, can I have that? And I just remember in that moment, I decided as a 15 year old to stop listening to secular music, which was very hard. And at that point I had CDs, I had a stuff that I had bought on iTunes, hundreds of dollars worth of stuff that I like no streaming, you know, subscriptions. But I just remember I was like, yeah, you can. And there was no questions asked. I remember I just cut everything and I deleted all the music. I threw away the CDs and there was just for, for many years, I was so zealous with, I'm not going to listen to this. And there have been moments now that I will experience an increase, like a a supernatural uh, revelation or encounter, or I'll see God move through a service and there's something. And I'm like, God, 
how did this just happen? Like, why me? And he'll remind me of that moment when I was 15. He said, because I could trust you with that. And you said, yes, I can trust you with this. And so I think just being able to speak to like, don't undervalue or overlook your convictions when it comes to those small areas, um, when it comes to those seemingly insignificant when you're just like the, for the, the sake of the scripture, dining at the table, man, if that's a conviction for you, being able to maintain that conviction, if it's, you know, for example, I don't, you know, not to, if there's a specific uh, TV show that's trending right now and you, all of your friends are watching it, but there's something about you like, I just don't know if I should watch this young leader. Don't <laughs> that's probably Holy Spirit saying, I want to protect you from this. I want to, I want to keep your attention on me. Um, and so I, I I think that that's what the what the world is waiting on. What other people are waiting on is someone that would be unmoved in their convictions, um, and being able to. I think that because they were able to withstand the fires in the natural, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is because they were already so on fire in the spirit before that moment that there was such a holy consecration about them that when Jesus was revealed in chapter three in the fire, that that's not when he showed up. That's just when he was revealed. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's demeanor never changed. They were walking around in the fire with Jesus. If I'm not burning and I'm walking around and Jesus is in a fire, like even if it was right now, I'd be on my face. But they're walking so casually. It was because they had been walking with Jesus all along. And so it's not when he just showed up. That's when everybody else who saw them going through a fire, that's when Jesus was revealed. So what conviction and, and maintaining convictions does is that it protects you at, at, at moments of compromise. And whenever you go through a fire, the world can look at you and say, how could you get news like that and still have a smile? How could you go through something like that and still have joy? And it, it just really, it, that's what the world is looking at is to see like, everybody else is watching this, why aren't you? Everybody else knows this latest song, how come you don't? And yet you like, you know what I mean? It's just, there's something different whenever you're able to maintain those, those commitments. Um, so yeah. I, so good. I, so good. I love. I mean, that's that's a greater yes. That's what you, that's what we've been talking about. It's a greater yes. I love it. Um, man, it's been a great episode, Micah. Thanks for joining us uh, today on this episode of uh, the Student Leadership Podcast. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be doing have you back one more time. So we got two episodes with you total. Um, and then students, make sure you catch the uh, the overtime conversation uh, with the rest of the LTG pod podcast crew. Um, and uh, we'll be kind of taking some of these principles here, especially this one about a greater yes and kind of unpacking this and uh, talking about how we can apply this uh, to our lives. Uh, we hope this content has been helpful to you. If it has, uh, feel free to share it with your friends. Uh, tag us on social media at LTG Conference. You can find me uh, at Aaron Holt. And you can find me at Gilbo Swaggins. And remember, students, you're called to lead your generation. Do it with passion for Christ and love for others.